0: Welcome everybody to Hacker Valley Blue, where we get the industry's best and brightest cyber defenders to share their experiences and tips on how you can better defend your assets and networks.
1: everyone, it's me, Simone Biles. As a world champion gymnast and a former foster kid, I've faced my fair share of complexity, and I've learned that the concept of controlling complexity is about more than just overcoming our own hardships. It's about helping others overcome theirs too. After all, in the face of enormous complexity, the best not only find a way to adapt to the challenge, they also find a way to give back. From now until the end of the year, Axonius will make a donation to Friends of the Children for every demo completed. For more details and to sign up, go to axonius.com friends. That's A-X-O-N-I-U-S dot com slash friends.
0: This season is all about the color purple we will be bridging the gap between red and blue teams and combining their strengths to form purple teams. Join me as I meet with some of the very best purple teamers out there who are changing the way we do security on a daily basis. We're going to go ahead and explore their journeys, talk about their time from red and or blue teams, some of the challenges they faced, as well as some of the successes and benefits from coming together and forming one team to defend against cyber threats from all over the world. So let's go. When I said I wanted to find people from all over to talk about their experiences. I scoured around, looked around and I found my guest today who has tons of experience in different aspects of tech. I've seen her do things in cloud. I've seen her do things with red teams, blue teams. I've seen her do coding and development work. And most importantly, I've seen her do a lot of outreach and stuff with the community. And I think that's super important when cultivating the next crop of security professionals in this field. So I'm going to let her talk more about it so you can stop listening to me. But <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, everybody watching, please welcome my guest, Angela Ciccone.
1: Hi, everybody. My name is Angela. And <laughs> I do a lot of things David was saying earlier. As of right now, I am currently a community manager at MetaCTF, but it's not your typical community manager role. I do like a lot of tech related things, so I'm trying to promote cyber education, whether it's on cyber defensive side or red team side or a mixture in between. We do a lot of different capture the flag or cybersecurity competitions. And then I'm also Cyber Competitions Coordinator for Women's Society Cyber Jetsu. We're trying to do a CTF tonight, <laughs> actually. And then uh, I do a lot of uh, volunteering with Women Who Code. So recently I did Web Security Basics that talked about how to prevent cross-site scripting. And I even showed examples of cross-site scripting in JavaScript. And then I also do a lot with the cloud community. So I just became an Amazon Web Services or AWS Community Builder, trying to promote cloud security there. And then I like to speak at events such as live streams and etc., panels with Cyberjutsu. And then recently, I just became a YouTuber. So I'm trying to promote, I guess you could see a day in the life of somebody in tech, but I have different aspects that makes me, so it's not just tech all day. I have some moments that have slice of life to show that we have a life outside of tech, but we can also have tech in there.
0: No, absolutely. For one, it sounds like it's fun and it also sounds super busy. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. But I guess that's in a good way, especially with the stuff with Women's Society, cyberjew Like I've done work with them in the past as well, and I met a CTF. Awesome. We're going to get into all of that. But again, thank you for joining. So for those, again, who aren't familiar, Hacker Valley Blue, we talk about all things. I like to focus on my guests and their journeys and how they got started in the field. We do it a little bit differently, even though I come from a red teaming background. I like to talk to different people, and I think that's a perfect way to talk about the collaborating between red teams and blue teams and even other teams like GRC and stuff like that. Angela, how did you actually get started into tech?
1: I came in as, I would say, a student. So I started way back in my community college days. I want to say I started with a cybersecurity club with my community college, and I met a lot of amazing people there who are now like in the field doing what they're doing whether a red teamer or they're doing trying to think like a security researcher role there's so many different parts that make security analysts and whatnot security teams Mm -hmm. so i started to learn how to defend systems actually that's why i really started to learn like about blue team at the time I thought when I was going to finish community college that I was going to be like a full on blue teamer and only stay blue team (laughs) because I loved it that much. (laughs) So I liked learning how to make security policies. I got to be in a role where I got to speak with the CEO and bring up recommendations of how to secure our systems. I gave a report, what's going on from like the red team side and the blue team side why it's important to have budget that makes sense, because <laughs> I had to do that. So it was pretty much like CIO, CISO role, Chief of Information Security Officer, for those who don't know what those roles are. I got to learn a lot. I was also like the cybersecurity president, so I really was into the community and back from there. I want to say I got into like red teaming, really into red teaming, I think last year, actually, after I finished my bachelor's at UMBC, and I finally was like, okay, I didn't see too many cyber defense CTFs at the time. It was the summertime, so I saw a lot of offensive security stuff, and I was like, what is this? I think, if anything, I knew what Metasploit was, and like I knew from personal experience, but being like in cybersecurity competitions, that they pretty much bring my systems down at the time. <laughs> So, okay. I knew that I need to learn more about Linux. So I was like, okay, let me join Women Society of jetsu and start learning about Red Team World and trying to get into that. And eventually ended up with my first pen testing internship.
0: So actually, I have a couple follow-up questions for that. So you actually have... Some insider information because I know one of the things from I think red and blue can agree with is that dealing with management is super frustrating, (laughs) especially when dealing with that dreaded B word that you just said budgets. Did you learn anything interesting while being in those CIO or CISO type roles that helped you come away with a better understanding of how to deal with management or basically? translating that information to the cybersecurity teams.
1: I know for a fact, I had to learn about how they spoke, their terminology, like business words that made sense financially. It had to make sure it was within budget. Sometimes and regular businesses today, or whether it's big or small, not everybody has like the manpower or the budget to do that. And in terms of security person, we want the best. We want to make yeah. sure we have all the people that we need, but... Sometimes we have to downsize, unfortunately, and you have to work with what you have. So we have to come up with better methods of how to secure our systems. Maybe we need to look back at our logs more. Maybe we need to think about better pen tests, use different resources, different strategies. I'm trying to think of it as I'm speaking, because it was a while back with that role specifically, (laughs) but you had to learn how to persuade also. What we're doing is going to help the company long run so we don't get attacked. And don't go through like data breaches in the future. I had to learn how to emphasize that to a CEO and also stick up for my team, my cyber defense team at the same time. Maybe have these meetings that we had in the cybersecurity competition where I had to meet with potential like lawyers and GRC, all that stuff involved. It made me understand in a broader scale oh, wow, cybersecurity is not just blue or red it's purple there's also your end users that are important as well as the c roles so i was like wow this is amazing that everybody can play a big role in defending our systems so we're all into this together i mean that sounds so cheesy but that's really (laughs) what it is at the end of the day so communicating is really important and also to not use so much jargon too. At the same time, technical jargon. Like, I know from, like, example, like being on the blue team side or even red team side, we want to use jargon, maybe saying something like, I remember it was like squid or some type of tool or database, I don't remember on the top of my head, where somebody yeah. said that in a competition and the CEO would just look at them like, What is this? Are we talking about sushi or what? <laughs> like, you have to learn how to bring really technical concepts into everyday playing English. And that's not easy, but it's a skill. It can be, it can be done as long as you uh, know how what the tool is. Like, I think that's important with cyber education. If you understand what it is in the simplest terms, then congr- congratulations. Maybe you can get more, I want to say not financial gain, but you can get more resources than probably just spitting out information and just hoping for the best that the CEO would be on your side.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. I think for one to your first point is with dealing with all the different aspects of cybersecurity is finding that common ground. So it's finding that finding a way to communicate the needs, not necessarily the wants, but the needs of the cybersecurity teams to the management in a way that they'll be okay and comfortable with spending that money. And then also working with the compliance teams and the end users and everything to gel in the overall scheme of things. And then to your point about the technical jargon, that is definitely something on the offensive side that we had to learn, or we still we're, we still have to learn, unfortunately. It's all about, you can use that jargon, but you have to know when to use it. So I use the example of writing a pen test report. So the first page, maybe page and a half, that's the executive summary. So it's... Literally, just how bad is it? How are you going to fix it? That's it. I don't want to use the term dumb it down, but it's like red, bad, green, good, yellow, mm-hmm. medium. And you do that when you get into the middle part of the pen test report, where you're basically explaining what you did play by play, then you can get a little technical because that's for the technical audience. So you have to, mm-hmm. it's almost like you have to speak multiple languages when dealing with cor- <laughs> corporations or corporate security teams, because you have to be able to speak it in a way that's effective. Because I've been on pen tests where we unfortunately starting out, we were really technical and it, the executives were just, it's not bad. And we're like, no, this is very bad, but we're good. And no. And then you have some where it's not as bad and they think. The sky is falling. So you have to play to your audience. So you started off in the blue teaming side, and then you started looking at some CTFs and you were introduced to the red side. Now I know we're talking about collaborating and all of that, but I do have to ask you, I know you said you loved blue teaming from day one, but after your experiences with the red teaming CTFs and stuff, what aspect of it did you like more?
1: Oh, with the red team side? I think I liked the fact that I could be more creative, I think. I know that sounds weird. But, mm-hmm. like, I was able to use more scripts with Python. I get to use Cali. <laughs> Not that you could on the blue scene side, but it made more sense. You have all the tools there. I liked learning about, like, web application security, like cross-site scripting. I loved learning about, like, all of that, and then learning how to defend with that. I liked just learning how to mess with stuff. So like poking in the holes and just the like privilege escalation, getting the access, keeping the access. And then I think I also teaching about it too, by doing this through um, Science Cyberjutsu. So I do like a lot of CTF walkthroughs. I really liked that part that I didn't think I would like until after I did CTFs.
0: The next question is from learning those offensive tactics and tools and stuff like that. How did it improve your defensive capabilities as far as your knowledge? Because now you were able to see, okay, this is what's happening. I use the example when I took a cyber forensics class and I always say that class made me a better pen tester because during that course we were able to do an investigation on a machine that was hacked. I was able to look at certain things that people would look at during forensics investigation or incident response. So looking at logs and looking at this information, I felt like it made me a better pen tester because now in an, when I'm on a pen test, mm-hmm. I know what to avoid. I know I'm like, okay, let me not do this because this might trigger this. And if they try to do anything, they're going to look over here. And it was almost like playing a game of mental chess. So that's how it was for me. So my question was like, so with your experience doing the offensive CTFs, how did that improve your overall knowledge on the defensive side?
1: I definitely have an answer to that. I think I'm able to catch things better. When I was first learning about cyber defense before I really learned about offensive security, I was like, okay, let me just think about blocking certain ports, for example, blocking certain services. And then because I didn't have so much experience, I was just doing this through a competition. And I learned about incident response, like how to respond to incidents, filling up the forms I didn't think about the pen testing process, like how a hacker gets into a system. And once I learned on a deeper scale by doing CTFs, learning how, what was it, the pass the hash works with like Metasploit. If I know how they get in, then I know how to block it by logging that information. Maybe I can look at some Windows events logs or maybe actually show real evidence that they got in. And I'm able to stop that too at the same time.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things that I guess led me to the thought process of being more collaborative was that same experience where it was like, when I first got into pen testing, it was almost like we were keeping everything that we did a secret, right? So it was like, don't tell them how you did this or don't tell them about this exploit. Don't tell them about that. And then when I became... I guess like an in-house pen tester. So I moved from consultancies to in-house. They still had that mentality where it's like, oh, we don't want to let the security team know what we're doing. I get it, but aren't we technically on the same team? I'm not even technically, we are on the same team. So we should probably let them know what we're doing because we're simulating the bad guys. To me, it was I was mind boggled at the thought of, no, we don't want to let them know about that. And I'm like, but why not? Because if they can't defend against us, they're not going to defend against attackers that have no rules of engagement or no scope. So we should probably work a little bit more together and let them know, hey, this is what we're doing. So in your experiences with the CTS and working on the offensive side and then also the defensive side, how many opportunities did you actually get to work together with the other side so if you're doing an offensive type thing how many opportunities did you get to work with the blue team or if you're on the blue team how many times did you get to work with the red team
1: I want to be like this' through all competitions but it really is through the competition when we had breaks in the competitions we had moments where we got to communicate with each other just freely communicate with each other what was going on we didn't explain what we did per se but we mm-hmm. gave each other little hints <laughs> you should probably example. Not keep that thing going because maybe somebody might be listening in, for example, that probably be right. the red team or, or a blue team. It's like, okay, you're giving me something, but I think I need to check, double check whatever it was. Or I think they had this one exercise that they made the team captains do, and we had to pretty much guard what we had pretty much. Otherwise, someone would try to write us up. I think I had my bag on a table, for instance, physical security. And normally in competitions, they would not touch your stuff, but they had these little eight-year-olds coming in. They were red teamers and they were ready to grab whatever was on the table. So I almost <laughs> got kicked out of the competition because I didn't have my bag with me. So it gave me an idea. It's like, oh, wow, you don't know what's some- going to happen at the same time. And I think even after it was over, we actually did the real purple teaming where we went over everything What we did right on the blue side, what we did wrong on the blue side, what maybe Red Team did right on the red side, what they did wrong as well. So we went back and forth. And I think my team, we had one of the best, I want to brag, but this is what they were saying. This is what Red Team said. Oh, you guys had like really good logs for a router that we had. They're like, it was so great. So when they saw it, they are like, wow, if you didn't have that one example port open, we could have tacked them out for so long, Red Team out for so long. Whereas with Red Team, if they didn't get caught so easily by maybe a honeypot that they got caught in, they could have bypassed that. So we had one of those conversations.
0: For me, with the competitions that you're speaking of, I think that actually translates really well into what needs to be done in a real world setting i think the competition like you said having those times where you're actively attacking and defending and then having that process of explaining what the other side was doing that's exactly (laughs) what needs to happen in the real world and unfortunately that doesn't happen a lot it is now with purple teaming becoming more and more i guess "Quote unquote mainstream. But I feel like the overall process of being in those competitions, I think you're in a very unique position because you'll be able to take what you've gained from those competitions and apply it to the real world. But I think you're also in another position as a teacher and a mentor to teach that to the new cybersecurity professionals, because that's not something that was taught to a lot of us in the beginning. Again, it was very siloed, and it was very red teams over here, blue teams over here, and there was no collaboration back and forth. In your opinion, how did those moments where you came together and actually spoke what each side was doing. When you had that, those purple team moments or those purple team exercises, how much more of a benefit was that to you as opposed to when you're just working with your individual teams?
1: It definitely opened my eyes because I thought one way, I thought by example, just catching the red team or like just trying to get the points to win the competition by trying to keep our services up as much as possible was the only way. I didn't think it made me think more. For me, at least, it made me think more real world. I was like, okay, if I were to be in an actual like SOC team, SOC and a security and operating center team, how would I be able to defend against red team or attackers in the real world? What do I need to think about? Because for me, I'm thinking, okay, if I'm blue, I need to think red. Like, I need to think what, how they're getting in, how are they getting privilege escalation, how are they able to go through the whole way, or how are they able to just even get access? People don't really think about things like the most basic stuff, like changing your default credentials, your username and password, even on databases. I like Admin, that needs to stop. It needs to stop. The basic things that it doesn't take much work. Example, Red Team, to you get in, we need to make it harder. So that's what I was thinking of It's like, okay, we need to make it harder. We need to make it better of how we're securing our systems, whether it's on like, a sim or just th- trying to think of windows operating systems linux operating systems regardless of what it is that we're trying to protect we need to think both sides and with red team we need to think blue in my opinion because we need to think about how are they defending it and if we need to do a pen test we need to figure out if there's any other vulnerabilities so we need to dig in a little deeper i think that's what helps because we're able to think more creatively instead of just thinking one way from with just blue
0: blue, red, red. You said a lot there with as far as there's a lot that needs to get done on both ends. The red team has to figure out ways to be creative and the blue team has to figure out how to patch these things. In your opinion, and I know you're probably going to speak from a competition standpoint, but again, these are things that happen in the real world. Why do you think it's so difficult for that to happen? On its surface, it sounds simple enough. Close Mm -hmm. these ports, change these default credentials, patch this software. But why do you think those things get overlooked.
1: I hate to say it to be like this, but you know the phrase, it's always been done this way. So people would follow the basic way of defending systems. I'm not going to speak on all teams, obviously. I'm just saying a situation, like there could be a team where they only secure things in a simple way and they don't think about the other outcomes. And when someone goes through that, They could miss out on opportunities of defending their systems, and guess what happens? They end up in possibly a data breach. Maybe it could end everything. I know with hospitals, they get hacked a lot. I don't know. Maybe it could be the security operations center's issue with that, because they're not doing things, they're not thinking about different ways, like learning by doing, maybe doing more security exercises to keep up with the times is helpful. I know that's not always easy easier said than done, but it does help to keep learning growing. I know that again from the business standpoint they can get expensive to try to learn more but there are free ways of doing things. Maybe it's speaking within the team that say so maybe the team leader could help find those resources to help the team out and just do a security tabletop exercise.
0: No, I think you actually you kind of hit the nail on the head in the beginning there where you said it it might be stuck on the old way of doing things or they only know of one way. And sometimes that one way doesn't have that collaboration in it. So unfortunately, teams don't know what other teams are doing. And I guess that's a perfect example of why we have a tool like our sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) Because The season of Hacker Valley Blue is sponsored by PlexTrack. This podcast is sponsored by PlexTrack, the proactive cybersecurity reporting and collaboration platform, bringing red and blue teams together for better collaboration and communication. PlexTrack empowers teams to communicate findings between red and blue teams electronically for rapid remediation, Centralize remediation efforts and automate ticket generation for faster, more efficient workflows. Facilitate tabletop exercises, purple teaming engagements, breach and attack simulations, and more. A better security posture begins and ends with PlexTrack. Claim your free month of PlexTrack and get a copy of our Blue Team content bundle at PlexTrack.com slash HackerValley. Again, that's PlexTrack.com slash HackerValley. And you were just talking about having these different challenges if there was one resource where you could see okay this team's supposed to be working on this or this pen test found these vulnerabilities and it generated the tickets then and there for you would that make things a little bit more efficient and in your opinion help with the overall security improvements for each team
1: Yes, because I think it's important. Automating is so important. I did an internship that had cybersecurity automation platform environment. I find that to be helpful because on the blue team side and or red team side, purple teaming, we need to learn how to save our time and spend our energy and efforts on things that really matter. We shouldn't be focusing on like maybe the noise of so many different like logs or like Messages that's going on. We need to focus on the things that matter, like not false positives. So I think that's why it's important to have the automation part. We're able to get things done faster, quicker, more efficient. We're able to bring businesses up, which, like we were saying earlier, the the C level people would be like (laughs) (laughs) rejoicing. But as well as for the soft, the blue teams as well as the red teams, because we're able to focus on what we need to do. We'll have more time to think about how to defend and or attack systems in a way that it makes sense. It's more creative. It'll be faster. It'll be more effective and efficient.
0: Yeah. And again, thank you to PlexTrack for sponsoring this season. And again, that website is PlexTrack.com slash Hacker Valley. So switching gears, and you have also done a lot of stuff with, you talked about the competition and stuff, but with the mentorship and the teaching. How important is it to you to share that information? For me, when information wasn't as easily available, like I might be showing my age a little bit minus even... So I got it in my beard already. I remember where you literally had to just get the books. It wasn't that openly available. There weren't a lot of meetup groups and YouTube videos and stuff like that. So I come from literally, I could show you my bookshelf over here. I literally have like hundreds of books on different topics or I've printed whatever I found on the internet. I just printed it out. And now I feel like that information is a lot easier to come by. Unfortunately, people still have a hard time either obtaining that information or people are still, for lack of a better word, gatekeeping that information. So with you, with the stuff that I see you doing, I see that you're a big advocate in getting all of that information and getting it out to the people. How important is that to you? And was there something that led you to that decision or is that just how you've always been?
1: I think it's always been because when I started in tech, I had literally no experience, no certs, none of that stuff. It was just a little bit of school <laughs> pretty much. And I was looking to get into the field and I after like learning about like the Blue Team Cyber Defense Competition and also doing Cyber Security Club president role at my community college, it made me think about those times of how I got like my first job, how hard it was to get in to network with people and Trying to always prove myself, even as like a female, trying to get into the field. It's a predominantly male field with cybersecurity. I remember how hard it took, and I didn't want people to go through the same stuff like I did. I don't want that to ever happen to anybody, especially those who are trying to get in. I want it to be easier as times are going on, especially since we're now, what what was this, 2022. We're getting close to (laughs) 2023. So I just always think about those times, even though I'm in within tech now and promoting cyber education. I don't forget about where I came from so if I see somebody online or in person that's hey I want to get into tech I will definitely be that person Hey, this is what you can do especially with my personality I'm like the pamphlet person here's what you can do you can do this <laughs> learn Linux learn a little bit of defensive learn about of offensive security come to me It's come to our cyber competition meetings where we get to learn about both sides and how to think like a hacker pretty much I enjoy just teaching people and it helps me to level up that way. I feel like I level up as well as they are. So we both benefit from each other by leveling
0: up. You actually just answered my next two questions. So you because <laughs> I was actually going to say, I was going to say, do you think it makes you a better professional? Because in my opinion, what I've heard is to really be proficient at something, you have to teach it. And I think that's proven to be true, at least with me. When I write blogs or I do any type of talks or anything like that. I think because of the extra time and effort it goes into researching and making sure that it's point and you're going into an audience of your peers and you don't want to go up there looking, okay, I have no idea what I'm talking about. But in those scenarios where you're talking about it or teaching it or writing about it, I think it makes you more knowledgeable in that field. And I think the next question I was going to (laughs) ask you was as far, as so when you are teaching, are you teaching both sides of it and as opposed to just one? And you said you actually teach the whole thing so thank you for answering my questions in advance (laughs) (laughs) but like i said i think that is is super important i'm a big advocate on you know teaching and education and gaining knowledge and sharing knowledge. Because again, I came up at a time where it was hard for me to get that information. And now I've been in tech now about 16 years or so. Like, I don't want to be as much as I love it. I don't want to be doing it forever. So (laughs) I want to make sure that anybody who I mentor whatever they come up and they're better than me. They're faster than me. They're more efficient than me because I don't want it to be Still what it is now, in a sense, with the breaches and people getting fished and the ransomware and there's new attacks every day. So we need to stay on top of it. And with the lack of jobs being filled because the lack of talent, we need to fill those gaps. So keep doing what you're doing with the Women's Society of Jutsu and all the groups that you're in. The other thing I'll say is you're also stepping into another world, which is the world of content creation. So if you want to speak on that, you could talk about what led you to start that and how the journey's gone so far.
1: It's very interesting how I started. So I actually technically started YouTube with my company, Meta CTF, and I was doing CTF walkthroughs, still doing CTF walkthroughs. I wanted to get better at presenting what I've learned and not just to act. And then I thought about myself. I'm like, I've always had this example, like social media audience and even in person where people are always asking me for help on cyber concepts. And I'm like, instead of me just example, just verbally saying it or just through words, I feel like video is like the next best thing where you can have sound, subtitles, all the things to help people. So it was really just to help people and also help myself become better with, presentation and just getting involved and getting involved with the community on a different level that i thought i couldn't do so it's like i was being my imposter syndrome as i wanted to show more like more of day in the life because i also outside of tech i also like to dance to k-pop i always <laughs> like to mention that to people and they're like what <laughs> so i feel like video makes sense <laughs> for that to happen one day and it's just to show I like to do different things and show people like, hey, you can do it. That's what it really is. I want to show people that they can do it regardless of
0: what's going on. And that's important because I think showing that side of it, the day in the life, the dancing, the going to the conferences, the meeting up with different people, I think is what's been missing in the last few years because a lot of us have created content. I've created content. We're here because of content. But a lot of us felt we should only stick to tech. And there's a lot of different reasons why, some more negative than others that we won't get into, Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it made the tech community look like the stereotypical, nerdy, robotic, no personality, super introverted caricature. And it pushed a lot of people away. Like when I tell people, I'm in tech, especially knowing my background or how I came up. When I talk to different people, especially in underprivileged communities and stuff like that, and I'm going, and I go, yeah, I'm in tech. And they're like, you? You don't look like somebody who would be in tech. That's because you're only used to what is being portrayed from TV or whatever back in the day, little poindexter, pocket protector, pen holder. (laughs) I think it's super important to have people do what you're doing, like the day in the life, because- I think it serves two purposes. One, it shows that the representation matters. Someone who looks like you can see you and go, I can identify with her. And if she can do it, then I can do it. And then they can see the fun side of what you're doing on your off time and then, oh, wow, that's great. I can do this job. Now it still affords me to have fun and do that. I think we've been so stuck on just the one side of it for so long that we've created these obstacles for ourselves that this generation of techs are having to deal with and fix. So, again, kudos to you and keep going with that content. Now, what else can we expect to see from your channel?
1: I'm trying to do also my own version of walkthroughs. I just enjoy the cyber education portion. I'm trying to bring like more home labs into it. So I'm trying to teach people maybe how to dual boot something, hint, hint. Because <laughs> I feel like there's enough videos, but there's not enough videos where there's someone like me that does that. So I want to prove it that it doesn't matter what you are, or where you came from, you can do it. So I'm trying to bring more inspirational talks, too, to bring people in, because it can get really hard staying in tech and being in tech, for sure. So I feel like I need someone to cheer them up. So I'm trying to be there to let them know, okay, hey, keep going. Don't even think about leaving. We need you in there. Just hang in there. We just got to change our mindsets.
0: So. No, that's definitely important. Again, especially during these days and times and stuff, like I said, with everything that's been going on in the world and people losing their jobs and stuff. No, it's definitely crucial to keep people's spirits lifted and everything like that. Are you going to be doing, Now I know you do stuff with like AWS and you're like the community manager. Are you doing stuff with AWS and cloud stuff on your channel as well? Or is that something separate?
1: As of right now, it's something separate, but it's something to think about in the future because I'm always talking about it from time to time. Literally, I think I joined a Twitter space that was close to cloud or around cloud content, and I might be doing a study group around cloud. So it makes sense to talk about it at some point. But yeah. I know people are interested, and I want them to get in the field because I learned that it's not just becoming a blue teamer or a red teamer, there's also cloud security roles. So I want people to know that there's more than one option.
0: Stop answering my questions before I ask. Because I was going to say that. I was going to say, you know, the next, yes, we're doing red teaming and blue teaming and now evolving to purple teaming. But eventually we're going to need to work on purple teaming aspects or that collaborative type of mindset into the clouds. I was leading up to it, but you... (laughs) No, that's great. man. again, best of luck to you with everything that you got going on. So outside of the content and the K-pop dancing, what are some of your hobbies?
1: So I enjoy reading. Primarily, it's been fiction because I just want to get out of that nonfiction world. I feel like tech, it's already nonfiction (laughs) enough going through that. So I've been reading stuff. It's called The Forgotten Book, and it's part of a series that's I can't remember the author, but I just remember the title. It's pretty much like a fictional story that talks about. It's primarily different females. They're like heroes, pretty much, and they're trying to prove that they are the person that they are. I also enjoy language learning. So as of right now, I'm trying to get closer to my culture. So I'm half Korean, I'm half Italian, and I'm trying to learn those two languages as well as Spanish because I always am around the Hispanic Latin ex knee a lot. So tried to learn a little bit of each, especially when I came from like a multicultural family. So I love learning languages. I try to put tech with it. That's another hint for another video. (laughs) But yeah, I enjoy learning different languages and just trying to
0: incorporate with what I like. And then I'm trying to learn more about art itself, digital art. It's good to have hobbies. It it opens up that work-life balance and it get you away from the keyboard. So I'm trying to get into drone photography. So nice. I bought an expensive drone because the one thing I hate more than anything is spending and wasting money. So I figured if I bought this expensive drone, I'm going to have to go outside. <laughs> I've picked up a couple things. I'm trying to actually get my FAA, like the part 10, I think it's a part 107 license to do the drone photography. So if I want to do like pictures of real estate or something like that. Yeah, like I said, it's been real cool to do that. And like I said, it gets you out of the house. It gets you to see different things. So I highly encourage that learning from the past. Don't just drown yourself in all of the world of tech. You'll get burned out very quickly all the time. So and so okay. that, that's my advice which leads into the last question for you. What advice would you give to anybody who wants to come into tech or is in tech and looking to make that transition into purple teaming collaborative type environment.
1: This is what I usually say to people whether it's in person or a video or a live stream is to keep Growing and keep learning. If you, example, you want to learn about cloud, guess what? There's something called pen testing in the cloud, and you can also defend in the cloud. So if you learn about maybe the main technology that you want to learn that helps you get into maybe even purple teaming, learn the technology first and try to learn it all the way through. I've seen sewing mistakes where people, for example, want to learn about AWS and then they want to learn about Google Cloud and they want to learn about this cloud. No, finish one <laughs> first, and then Make a lab with that. Make your own personal lab. Let all the curiosities be tested in that example, sandbox environment. Just start playing with stuff. Just start setting things up and also stay connected or if you're not, be in the community. There's huge community out here today, whether it's in person or whether it's online. We have, like you said before, meetups. We have also this podcast. We have YouTube. We have We have so many different resources to help people get involved and you don't have to worry about like the money for instance what we're doing even today is it's free education content so it's good to just not be afraid i know it's easier said than done but don't be afraid to fail and don't be afraid to succeed as well own it own those small victories every small win is a win so
0: well said angie thank you for joining if you want to let the people know how to find you social media linkedin now's your chance.
1: Okay. So there's two ways (laughs) of my social media handle for YouTube. It's going to be at, and then Angie underscore tech cafe, GitHub. It's at Angie tech cafe. And then I think LinkedIn is also Angie tech cafe. And then I think Twitter's Angie underscore
0: tech cafe. There you go. Simple enough to follow. They're all the
1: same. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: So Angie, again, thank you for joining. Thank you for being a guest. I know you're super busy with all the stuff you're doing and just keep doing what you're doing. Keep being amazing. Keep contributing to the community. We need more people like you there. So again, thank you for spending some time with me today. And. Thank you all for watching or listening or wherever you're getting this podcast from. This has been another episode of Hacker Valley Blue. I have been your host, Davin Jackson. This has been my guest, Angela Ciccone. And I will see you all next time. So until then, stay safe out there and take care of each other. Peace. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Hacker Valley Blue. If you did, please remember to like it, subscribe to the channel, Share it with your friends and colleagues and family members. Get it all out there. And make sure you tune in for the next episode. Also remember to join our Discord server and you can talk to me and some of the other Hacker Valley family. So make sure you go check us out over there too. And I will see you next time. Peace.